0: Hello, this is Brian Foster and you are watching our Sunday night program Spiritism in the Spirit World around us. Today we are talking about the Gospel according to Spiritism. We are presenting this on the Kardec Radio Facebook page and the Kardec Radio app. The Kardec Radio app you can put on your Apple or your Android phone. It's free. It delivers you Spiritist programs 24 hours a day. Just All you do is in your PlayStation or Apple store, you type in KARDEC, K-A-R-D-E-C, radio, two words. You can download the app, and then you can listen to Spiritist programs all the time. Uh, Listenership is growing constantly. The KARDEC radio Facebook page that I am presenting this program on every Sunday, Uh, and I've done, I think, for two, three years now. It's amazing. And, of course, all of these videos that I put on, I put on my YouTube channel. You can go check it out. Go to my, my blog, nwspiritism.com, and then you can find on the right-hand side a link to my YouTube or my BitChute channel. Please subscribe, hit the bell, subscribe to BitChute. That's probably a, a, a better alternative if you can't trust YouTube anymore. So, anyway, let's get to where we are. Today, we have been talking for the last six, seven weeks about the Gospel according to Spiritism. And today we're talking about chapter 7, Blessed are the poor in spirit. First, I would recommend everyone to read Alan Kardec's The Spirit's book first, uh, and probably the next book would be The Gospel According to Spiritism. In summary, The Gospel According to Spiritism takes a lot of the sayings in the Gospel, one of these today I'm going to talk about, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Um, but I would start with this, the the uh, spirits book first. But if you want to also, if you want to know more about Alan Kardec himself, which is just a marvelous person. If you have Netflix, there is a movie about Alan Kardec called Kardec on Netflix. You can look it up. And it is a wonderful movie. So please tell your friends, go see the Kardec movie. Now, let's talk about the poor in spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was first reading the Bible, sometime in high school, when I think I could really begin to uh, understand it, these things like the poor in spirit and the meek shall inherit the earth. And of course, we all know, in our culture, you know, poor in spirit. That makes it sounds like you're a failed, you know, football player, or you, you know, you just you're depressed, or um, something like that. It, it sounds negative, does it not? It sounds passive, and, and what we find out is that it's anything but. But also imagine what. What that, how different that was from the Old Testament. But let's go into chapter 7. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Of course, bless, the, the whole quote from the Bible, Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Alan Kardec wrote. Skeptics have mocked this maxim as they have mocked many other things they do not understand. By the poor in spirit, Jesus did not mean those devoid of intelligence, but the humble, inasmuch as he said that the kingdom of heaven would be for them and not for the prideful. Men of knowledge and imagination, so called by public conviction, generally hold such high opinion of themselves and their superiority that they consider everything divine as being undeserving of their consideration. How true is that today? And it's interesting, now this is written in the 1850s, and he said, you know, you know, the, the, what well, they were probably meant poor in spirit is, you know people who were downtrodden and didn't think you know they thought little of themselves. Of course, we kind of think that too, but we kind of give it even a more uh, passive. You could be an intelligent person, but you could still be uh, passive. Of course, in the 1950s, it sounded like they they were just completely uh, more more of the lower classes. Could be wrong on that. So we carry on what he was reading about those tendencies, you know, people who are superior to everything. Now, this is still true, but he says, you know, this tendency to believe they're superior to everything else very frequently leads them to deny anything which may be above them, even divinity itself, for fear it might belittle them, or if they condescend to admit its existence, then they contest one of its most beautiful attributes that of providential action, over things of this world because they think they alone are sufficient to govern. Taking the intelligence they possess as a measure for universal intelligence, and judging themselves able to understand everything, they are unable to believe in the viability of which they do not know. They consider their judgment to be law if they do not admit the existence of the invisible world and of a superhuman power, it is not because it is beyond their capability, but because their pride makes them revolt against the idea of something above which they are unable to place themselves and which would bring them down from the pedestal upon which they like to contemplate. Hence, they only have scorn for everything that does not belong to the visible and tangible world. Now, a lot of this is still true, and it's actually... There's actually more today uh, considering this. Now, in the 1850s, religious devotion was quite commonplace and regular, and most people did not look down on other people. In fact, they probably put them as, as you know, this is how you should act. But now, I think it's even more uh, stark as to than what Alan Kardec wrote in the 1850s, because if you look at our cultural leaders, our, our CEOs, and, and, you know, and the, the, many of our, our leaders who, who, you know, they'll, they'll say things, but what, you know, what they really mean, they don't really consider a superior intelligence above them. And I understand that, right? I think I felt that way. Uh, I felt that way. I, I knew there was God, but, i always thought that if you know there was a god it was far away and we were forgotten on this kind of you know rocky planet i did not really believe in, in of course when i read about spiritism and i i saw how how spiritism explains so much right it explains the process it explains that we're on this planet to learn, to become better people, and that we are watched so carefully, just like elementary children are watched in their elementary school, although they don't know it because they're so unaware of what is around them. We are a lot like that. We are so unaware. And in fact, we are like those students who, who say, no, there's no teachers here. Because they don't see anyone right in, you know, three feet in front of them. No, there's no teachers here. This is what we believe in. And if you say that that you put yourself in the hands of Jesus and God, now back in the 1850s, people didn't at least look down on you. But now people actually will look down on you. And many places, you can't even say, God bless you, or, you know, and you read about this all the time. So it's much harder in our society now. This will change, because in the the spirits have told us, and I, I talk about a lot of this in my in my books. I have a series of three books that I talk about what the what was um, given to the Reverend G. Vowell And the first book is Heaven and Below. The spirits have told us that we are like on this ship, and we're heading to the to the epitome of materialism, and that the whole human race had to achieve this technological advancement and with technological advancement comes less spirituality to a certain to a certain time but what they say is that ship is moving and therefore as we start progressing in the future how long i don't know i'm hoping it's not too many more decades that it will change and that we will have more spirituality now, I think a lot of people have seen this with spiritualists. Uh, the younger generation is less held up into big houses, you know, you know, expensive lifestyles, which is very um, wonderful to, to think about. So, but but just to give you this in context of what Alan Kardec wrote in the 1850s. Now, he goes on to say, However, say what they like, they'll be inevitably drawn into this invisible world they scoff at, together with everyone else. It is there that their eyes will be opened, so making them realize their errors. Nevertheless, God being just, he cannot receive those who have denied his majesty in the same manner as those who submitted to his laws with humility, nor can he give them equal share. By saying that the kingdom of heaven belongs to the poor in spirit, Jesus teaches that no one will be admitted without the simplicity of heart and humility of spirit, that the ignorant person who possesses these qualities will be preferred to the wise person who believes more in himself than in God. In all circumstances, Jesus puts humility in the category of virtues that bring men near to God and pride into the category of vices that keep men away from God. The reason for this is clear, for to be humble is an act of submission to God, whereas pride is a revolt against him. For man, then, there is far greater value for his future happiness by being poor in spirit, as the world would understand it, and rich in moral qualities. So let's talk about this for a second, and and talk about how even now people are finding this out. I talked to a, a medium, and we were talking about jobs in uh, in heavenly cities. And she had said that she had one time been one of those people that worked, uh, and they called it our home, uh, and it wasn't it wasn't those a large, a different place. And she was her job was to lead people to that that colony, and one time. She, she found a man sitting on the beach. Now, this man was very hot. He, saw her, he goes, oh, you. He goes, you know, and this is back probably in the 18-somethings. goes, you, go get a carriage. I'm on this beach. I don't know what's going on. And he, like, just gave her orders right away. And, of course, when she, she was writing me that, and I said, oh, you know, that sounds like something I would do, because uh, I would just used to be, you know, giving orders. And then she goes, then she told me the whole story. Uh, and she goes, well, you know, I was one of these spirits that helped people come into, into, into heaven. She's from uh, the, the Pacific Northwest. And so I caught him on the beach. And I know that there was a, a ship offshore that, you know, m- most people drowned. And he was on that beach. And I tried to tell him, I said, no, you're um, you're not of this world anymore. And he finally, you know, he kept barking orders at me. And finally, I said to him, this is what she said to him. I said, you notice your clothes aren't wet. You know, you know you're on that ship. How come your clothes aren't wet? And that's when it hit him. Then he became much more humble. And he was like, oh, okay, okay. I understand. I've also read stories in uh, Jeeva Owen's book, Beyond the Veil, where these people they come over and they were very like famous authors or someone who was well known and yet they're sitting at the feet of someone who was like someone who has a very you know like a porter or something like that a very menial job yet was just like Alan Kardec wrote he was morally superior and this this guy was at his feet learning what you need to learn to be in the spirit world I'll give you one more story. Uh, I think it was one of the spirits I was talking to Yvonne. I forgot which one it was. Met this man, and he was walking through, and, and he says, uh, "Hello." He goes, "Can I help you?" He goes, "Well, you know, I think I can, I'm not quite sure where I'm I'm at." He goes, I, "You know," and he says, "Well, you know, you're you're dead." He goes, "Well, w- why is that?" He goes, "I thought if I'm." Dad, I would meet my friends, and my, you know, and my wife would be here, because I, she must have passed before him. And he goes, well, your friends have been here, but you, are, you do not possess the capability yet to see them. Your, your heart isn't full enough of love. He goes, you are too hard-hearted. You believe too much in, in black and white, you, you don't understand that there's good and, uh, you know, and ignorance in everyone and that your heart is a bit too hard. Now you've done some really great, wonderful things and that's why you're here, but you're going to have to learn to get a bit more spiritual wisdom before you're allowed to move up. Your wife is at a higher level than you. Now I know you consider yourself to be an intellectual Uh, intellectually superior to your wife, but she has those balance of qualities of love and humility that you do not possess, and if you want to come up to meet her, you will have to learn and study. So this is what is so wonderful about spiritism. I've just given you three examples of what spiritist mediums have told us about the spirit world And how exactly what Allan Kardec wrote is true. This is from people 50 to 100 years, 150 years after Allan Kardec wrote the gospel according to spiritism. Again, this is, this is, spiritism tells us that information never stops coming from the spirit world. You got all this wonderful just like jesus you know said in the new testament i'm going to give you a consoler the spirit of truth the spirit of truth is the third revelation codified by alan kardec spiritism but it doesn't stop there this is why you know people who say no the, the bible's it right or the old testament the new testament there's nothing more it's all there well no spiritism tells us that the messages of love and charity and kindness are universal but many are not. Imagine Jesus saying that the poor in spirit Now, how would that imagine if you were in back in in uh, Rome at that time at the beginning of the zero a d and were the poor in spirit that you know you were just nothing right? you If you were too humble and too nice, there might be a place for you if you had money, and, but you had to be intellectually very smart, like Cicero even. He was not uh, aggressive physically, but he was certainly aggressive intellectually. So those things, those, you know, being spiritually, and when, he's, and when Jesus said the meek, right, shall inherit the earth. Of course, and Jesus didn't mean meek, someone who shies away from everything, but someone who's polite, and wise, and can get things done without hurting other people's feelings, if possible. So imagine that back in the height, you know, at the end of the Republic, the beginning of the Roman Empire, not quite, yeah, the beginning of the Roman Empire, the times of Augustus. Imagine that saying that the poor in spirit, that would not make sense the jews at the time believe a you know a, a, someone a savior would come and wouldn't a savior wouldn't come and say we should all be nice to each other we should love each other we should understand each other no that savior would come and smite the romans and kick kick them out of out of the whole palestine area and revive the empire under david That's not what, you know, they did not expect Jesus at all. Who, you know, who can blame them at that time? That must have been, you know, when you think of the apostles that followed Jesus and the people who became Christians, one must really admire those people because that was a great leap of faith at that time. So let's let's carry on. So then next what Allan Kardec says is he who exalts himself shall be debased. So at the same time, the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, verily, I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children. ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And who shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. What's Matthew chapter 18 verse 1 through 5. So then it goes on and he, and he talks about the, the mother uh, Zebedee's children and said you know, can one sit on the right and and may they sit the one on the right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom and jesus answered you don't know what you ask you know this is the interesting part and this is foreshadowing this is all in matthew verse 20 uh, uh, i'm sorry chapter 20 verse 20 28. so you see a woman came down and said oh here's my two sons i'll sit on your right and your left and now I'll quote from the from the, the verse. You, you know not what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, what, is he, what does he mean? Let me carry on. They say unto him, we are able. And he said unto them, ye shall indeed drink from my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give but it shall be given unto them for whom it is prepared of my Father. So let's talk about that. He really told them, he told them the process of the spirit world. When he says, okay, are you going to be baptized to the baptism that I, I've been done? What he said is, are you going to go through a billion, maybe more than a billion years of lives to become a pure spirit and to become even so much higher into the hierarchy that I, you are in control of planets? Because I don't think so. And I'm not the one that can tell you to do that. But he said, You indeed shall drink from my cup and be baptism with the baptism that I am baptized with, which means, yeah you'll go through the same process. But it's not up to me who sits on my right and my left hand. That's up to higher spirits, up to God. Jesus, according to Spiritism, is not like there's God and there's Jesus. No, there are other high spirits that are higher in the hierarchy and one would believe a bit closer to God than Jesus. But this really explains that there's a process here. You're going to be baptized. And when he says baptized, it doesn't mean being sprinkled with water. And just as Jesus said, you need, you know, you have to be born again. Now, if Jesus said the truth at that time, said, No, you're going to go through many lives. It's going to take you know take you like a million lives. And you could, you know, get, maybe get close to where I'm at, but even then there's no guarantee. And they would have looked at him like, I don't think I'm going to be a Christian, right? That's This would never work. That's why Spiritism tells us that they can only give the message that people were able to to understand and hear. If he was too radical, just like the Spirit's book was very radical in the 1850s when they said marriage is between two spirits. They didn't say a male and female. And then later on, they said a spirit can come back as either one. That was very, very Radical in the 1850s. Not so much now, but even then, they were careful in the Spirit's book to kind of separate those two out and let you make your own decision. They also said that in the Spirit's book that no, you don't, you know, divorce laws, those are human laws. You know, why would you have two spirits that hate each other have to live together? That was, you know, and now you know why the C- Catholic Church burned the Spirit's book. In fact, you can actually see, uh, see the whole back. Ground story to that in that movie Kardec on Netflix. So that's why we even when we're when they give us information now, we know that we are just being fed which we are kind of able to understand. There's so much more that they could tell us, but it would just you know either we would misinterpret it, which I'm sure you know we misinterpret a lot already, or it would just go go beyond us. So then, anyway, just to to, to carry on with uh, the Matthew chapter uh, 20, and then it said, and when the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation against two brethren, but Jesus called them unto him and said, ye know that the prince of the Gentiles exercises dominion over them and that they are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be among you, but to, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, you let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life as ransom for many. So, he's telling them, if you want to be on, in charge of everyone. Learn to serve. That's what Spiritism tells us over and over again. One of the most important things that we can do is learn to serve others and learn the pleasure it gives us when we do that. And again, then, even in the, um, the next parable, of course, this is, a, again, why... I love this book because there are so many parables that, you know, like, what do they mean by this parable? And then this book explains it. Let me give you another, uh, here's a parable. They also talk about as the the poor in spirit. So this is a parable from Luke, uh, Luke chapter 14. So he, he put forth a parable to those which, Were bidden, when he marked how they chose out the chief room, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him, and he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that biddeth thee come, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. They, you know, you shall have worship in the presence of them that sit and meet with thee. For whoever exalteth himself, himself shall be debased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Now, this is what Alan Kardec wrote about this. He said, These maxims stem from the principle of humility that Jesus was constantly presenting as an essential condition for the happiness promised to be chosen of the Lord which he presented in this matter. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He took a child, a symbol of simplicity of heart, when he said, The greatest in the kingdom of heaven shall be he who is humble as is this little child. That is to say, who holds no pretension to superiority or infallibility. And then we shall find the same fundamental idea in the following maxim. He who desires to be the greatest amongst you, let him be your servant. And also in this, he that humbles himself shall be exalted, and he that exalt, exalts, himself, exalts himself shall be debased. Sorry. So spiritism this is what Alan Kardec is saying. Spiritism confirms its theory through examples when it shows us that those who are great in the spiritual world are those who are small on earth, and that frequently those who are great and powerful on earth find themselves extremely small in the spiritual world. This is because on dying, man takes with him only that which makes for greatness in heaven, that which is never lost, which are his virtues. All earthly greatness, such as riches, titles, glory, nobleness of birth, etc., are impossible to take on reaching the other side. If man has nothing apart from these qualities, he finds himself destitute of everything as a person who is shipwrecked loses everything, even his clothes. So, of course, I gave you examples, too, of, of, of people who, who uh, you know, exalt themselves. We, I, I've been there, too. You know, who, who hasn't at work saying, oh, look at me, look at this great thing I did. I mean, when I was first out, trying to you know before i understood spiritism and and found spiritism i was part of that doggy dog world i tried to i tried to um show myself to be superior to other people because what did i want i wanted a promotion i wanted a raise and and the the reward for climbing up the managerial ladder is not small you know here on this earth now you get bonuses you get stock options and the higher you go, the harder, and the more knife fights there are, and the more politics. Now, eventually, even before I found Spiritism, I just could not take it anymore. I, I found myself, and I think this was, i really came to me when I started to be told that, okay, um, I think it was like around... It was one of the, the first internet booms in, in the late 90s. And people people were were like getting ready to sell their mother for, you know, another dollar or another thousand stock options or whatever. And, it was, and then you were told things like, well, fire 10% of your force, right? Because always get rid of the weak ones. And, you know, if you only have like 10 people working for you and the one, yeah, maybe they weren't the smartest person, but they had, you know, not every job that you do takes a, a world-class scientist, and there's some jobs that you want done. I was doing mostly software and and, and leading teams full of mechanical uh, in engineering uh, and uh, chemistry engineers and software engineers that no one else wants to, and they were perfectly fit for that, and they were doing great. And those things, then I just got, I got sick to my stomach. I got. I went through a couple years of maybe longer than that, but really stressful times of on one side wanting those riches in our physical world, and the other side is my inner conscience was just rebelling that I you know in order to get gold to get that golden ring, I had to step over people. And finally, I just said, no, uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, I'm not going to be successful in the eyes of our culture. Uh, I'm just going to go back, be a project manager, you know, hopefully have no, you know, sometimes that some people work for me. I always try to say, no, I don't want anybody working for me because I didn't want to bring the Kool-Aid down from the management saying, oh, we're doing this to you and it's good for you, even though, as everyone here can tell me, most of that's all garbage, right? Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna charge another hundred dollars a month for your medical plan and give you less, but it's really great what we did for you. Yes, right. So I I didn't want to do that anymore, but of course we all know in this world one has to uh do things you don't want to do. You have to feed your family, you have to keep going. So you do what you have to, but you try to do it uh hurting people the least as possible and that's what I tried to do and that helped me a lot it helped me a lot because i i let go a lot of my pride and it makes you feel better and what spiritism shows you know shows us is that that pride you know it's it it's really it's it, you know Some pride is good, right? Pride in studying spiritism, pride in helping others. There's nothing wrong in that. But the pride where you want to show that I am better than others, of course, even then sometimes, you know, you start thinking those things. But a little bit, you have to kind of put it in its context. But the spirit world tells us that a couple things. Anything you sacrifice in this world will be rewarded 100-fold in the spirit world meaning that when we make sacrifices of our uh, you know our time our our love right those things that we help people when we could have been helping ourselves maybe reach something that we wanted those will be rewarded and those reward because we are learning something important we are learning the benefit of helping other people and we're learning that we don't need that much here on this physical planet to be happy Spiritism tells us many times, especially in the books by uh, the whole series of Andre Louise, is that it's like when you give up things, it's like pruning a tree. The tree grows back stronger. And the same thing with us. Like sometimes, as we know, and I make this mistake too, like we give our children too much. Well, actually, one should have your child earn as much as they can for themselves because you're teaching them what the value of those things are in their own work instead of just giving them things. Easier said than done, and I'm guilty of that as other people. So, but we can all try and we try our best. That's all the spirit world can say. But this is what's so interesting about it is everything that Alan Kardec writes and even what even Jesus says, it just gives us and spiritism just explains it to that second degree. And you know, when we read the Old and New Testament, or we read other religious texts. You know, it's it's a fuzziness in heaven. The fuzziness is, okay, what really happens in heaven? You know we just harp music and we go in these clouds? No. This is, I mean, if you really looked at it when Jesus said, yeah, you have to be baptized as I'm baptized and over and over again, it means, no, you're going to have to go through many, many lives and you have to work for this. And you're going to have, you know, and as the spirits say, pain is a great teacher. You're going to have to go through a lot To get where i am now this is what is revealing to us now the next thing though is that when you learn from this from from the gospel of heaven saying that jesus had to go through life after life if you look at the books and i'll show you this um Let me show you this the, uh, on from Jeeva Owen, and I have this in my second book, Spirits in the Spirit Universe, where I talk about the education of spirits, and it tells us these from these high spirits coming to talk to the Reverend Jeeva Owen. It tells us how spirits ascend and what they go through. Essentially, and I go through this in a lot more detail. Is there are many levels of heaven? Now, the spirits who talked to Reverend Jeeva Owen talked about. 10 levels of heavens around the Earth. Above that, there's other levels of, you know, of course, there's other levels of heaven around other planets, all this. And then around the parts of the galaxy, solar system galaxy, and, you know, arms of the galaxy. But let me just give you a quick preview of how Spiritism is exposing all this information to us. Now, in the books by Chico Xavier, they always talk about, you know, cities in the lower zone and down below the dark abyss they talk about like mansion pass kind of in the higher part of the lower zone they talk about no solar which is just kind of bordering the lower zone and his mother is is higher and he talks about spirits coming and having you know have a environment made for them in no solar in one of his books the reverend evil Valon gave even more information and they talk about you know, the level above that, levels, the different levels. And what they ta- say is in each level of heaven, and even, you know, Andre Luis talked about this, is you take classes. And that there are cities in each level of heaven. And then you kind of go and you, you take classes and you learn. And then you go to like the major city and you take more of a, a college, right? And this is all voluntary. You have free will. You don't ever have to leave no solar if you don't want to leave no solar. But then when you advance your knowledge and then your spirituality, right? Your loveness, you can't just go intellectually and still hate, uh, hate other people and be prideful. That's, that's not going to work. You have to be the higher you go, the more balanced you have to be. But this is really the, the thing I talk about in my book, Spirits in the Spirit Universe, book two of Spiritism, the spirit world revealed to an Anglican vicar is that when you ascend, to the next level, you're not just given a piece of paper, you're actually given more attributes. And as you go higher, you are less matter and more energy. Of course, I've said this many times. This is why when people see, they say angels, right? There's this brightness and they think there's wings because the brightness makes it all so fuzzy. Of course, spiritualism tells us the brightness is the reflection of love from those higher spirits. If you're on the same level of that high spirit that you thought was an angel, they'd look normal to you. But since you're not and they reflect, they, they look fuzzy. So you are actually physically changed and given more power. So I thought that might be interesting too. So this is, this is where, uh, this is where Spiritism gives us actionable information that we read the New Testament and then we read the Spirit's book, and the Gospel according to Spiritism, and then we read this latest information that came to us in the 20th century and some of the 21st century, this century. It just gives us more and more information. This is why studying Spiritism is so important, is to read about it, read what you can, talk about it, and of course, um, uh, Sergio Schrickler and I have... Uh, He has many people, not just I. He's the one that organized this whole thing. If you want to talk about and study about Spiritism, well, let me find where it is. Right. Oh, there it is. If you go to spiritismstudy.org, you can go and get individual study sessions. and You can talk to Sergio, uh, Dulce, uh, other people. You can make an appointment myself, you can make an appointment. And you know, we're not gonna say, Oh, you gotta study this and we're gonna do a test. No, it's we just talk about it. I've had people talk to me for a couple of weeks and they go away and then they come back a month later, Said, Oh, I got more questions. Okay, what are your questions? It's all very informal or is as formal or informal as you want it. You're an adult, you decide what you'd like to do. But if you really wanna bounce your your ideas and your questions off of someone, please contact us at spiritismstudy.org you can set up an appointment for me let's say you set up an appointment with me i'll say okay um i can talk to you on skype or whatsapp or some other message forum right that you would like to do and uh, we can at least speak face to face uh you know through the video and if you would like to if not just by by you know just by voice but it's whatever you want to do so I would, we would love to help people. There's nothing, it's just so much fun, and we learn more about what people like and want to do. So, if you're interested in that, or if you're also interested, go up there and then email uh, Sergio that you'd like to. If you're a spiritist you want to help other people, give him a call. Okay, so let's go more about chapter seven. So, let's carry on with Alan Kardec said. It may be quite it may appear quite singular that Jesus gave gives thanks to God for having revealed these things to the simple and humble who are poor in spirit, and for having hidden them from the learned and prudent, who apparently are more able to understand. But we must recognize that the former are those who are more who are submissive, who humble themselves before God and do not consider themselves superior. So first I like to say. You can still be very intellectually uh, bright, but yet also know enough to say, yeah, a lot I don't know, and I will listen. So he's really saying, and this is what Alan Kardec says in the next sentence, the latter are those who are arrogant, full of pride for their worldly knowledge, judging themselves prudent. Because they deny God or who, when they are not refusing to accept accept him, treat him as an equal despite the fact that in ancient times learned was a synonym for wise. This is why God has left them to discover the secrets of the earth and revealed the secrets of heaven only to the humble who prostrate themselves before him. The same things have happened today with the great truth revealed by Spiritism. This is Alan Kardec. Many of those who are incredulous are surprised by the fact that the spirits take so little trouble to convince them. Now this is is interesting. The reason for this being that it is preferable to look after those who seek with good faith and humility rather than offer enlightenment to those who suppose they already possess it, who perhaps imagine that God should be very thankful for having managed to attract their attention by proving his existence to them. So, and of course, I'm sure everyone else has heard this too. Well, how come God doesn't reveal himself to us? And the Spirit has told us, the spirits have told us that for us to have faith that is long-lasting, we must create that foundation on our own. We must see. For me, it was things my wife told me about my future. For other people, it may be something your aunt or uncle said that came path or some, some vision you had of your parents that passed or, or just the way you go after, maybe you're much smarter than I am. And most people are just the way you, you analyze nature and, and understand the the numbers that reveal the big bang and how everything had to be perfect for that to happen. And the probability of that being perfect is so low that there must be a guiding hand. It's up to you if, if, if I told you no, you have to be believe in, uh, in God. Okay, yeah. Well, Brian told me, and okay, I believe. No, it just you know it doesn't work because it lasts for you five minutes, and you would think something else. And again, and Spiritism still does this today. That's why I wrote my books, right? I wrote my books is to give you more information, like you know, my book, um, the Seven Tenets of Spiritism, where I just show how how I learn you know how spiritism affects me and I, I I go there and I go from different different information and I explore what that that means or um, are, are the uh, the case for reincarnation I take books from all other you know other places by by uh, Leon Denis um, Chico Xavier and this is what Spiritualism told us about reincarnation. I just lay things on the table for you to, instead of having to read each one, I try to accumulate information for you and then let you make the decision. I'm not telling you, oh, your life's going to be terrible if you don't believe in this. No. You're going to have many lives. You can make as many mistakes as you want. The bad thing is you're just wasting time, right? Spirits say when you are in a life and you don't make any spiritual progress, you're parking yourself. I know I must have parked myself for many, many lives, and so that's all, right? There's no, there's, there's, never a last chance, right? There's never like, oh, you blew this forever. No, you. There's always something new that you can do. So don't ever worry about that. And when I say I tell people that that call me many times and, oh, I, you know, not making as much progress as I want. Now, don't worry about it. Just make some progress that you can. And there's going to be steps backwards. You know, I do it to everyone. But the main thing is, as Alan Kardec said to these prideful people, no, God's not going to come to earth and say, now believe in me, because then they'll just do it either out of being impressed or fear that, you know, they'll, he'll smite them if they don't do what it. Is. No, you do it because you they want you to know the wonderfulness of the whole process, and that's why studying spiritism is so important, because that process is just amazing. When you become a spirit in the higher spirit, in the spirit world, thought is action. And this is like beyond any fantasy novel you'll ever read, where imagine going through a town and any, and any spirit can say, okay, yeah, I'm going to make that tree or I'm going to make a house right there, or I'm going to change my clothes or change my appearance as I wish. That is the power of high spirits. Now, would you give that power to someone who is vain and prideful and maybe sometimes want revenge or still relatively immature like myself? No, you wouldn't give that much power. The power high spirits have is just amazing. The spirit world is just fungible environment. It's subjective. In the, our world, it's objective, right? A wall is a wall. But in the spirit world, a wall is a wall if you think it's a wall. If you don't think it's a wall and you will it not to become a wall, it will become what you will it to be. You will break down the universal fluid. That's if you have the level enough to do that. The high level spirit created that wall. I, you probably can't do it, but it depends on your level. But that wall will come down. And it will be what you want it to be. Now you understand why we go through what we go through here on earth and now you understand why the poor in spirit right will inherit because the poor in spirit means that you're not prideful you're not arrogant you're humble not that you are passive and defensive and cowardly no it means that you you don't throw yourself out there and say look at me i'm the best and then It's like oh look at me i'm, I'm trying and yes, I'm trying, and and but I know I have a lot to learn. So that's exactly what Alan Kardec just said. God does not wish their eyes to be opened by force. You know, no, We're not going to force you to learn about God. It's up to you. And And even today, it's like, oh, there's no proof for this. Well, right. I tell them, you're absolutely right. There's no proof. And when you, I said, go look for proof if you find it. God bless you. If you don't, well, at maybe another time you will. So therefore, so this is what Alan Kardec wrote. He goes. Therefore, those who are unbelievers should not be surprised if neither God nor the spirits who execute His wishes do not submit to these demands. Instead, they should ask themselves, what would they say if the lowest of their servants tried to impose upon them in whatever form? God imposes the conditions and does not accept those who wish to impose conditions on him. He listens kindly to those who direct themselves to him with humility and not to judge those who judge themselves greater than he. It is often asked if God could not touch these people personally by means of clearly evident manifestations, before which even the most obstinate unbeliever would be convinced. Beyond all doubt, he could. But in this case, what merit would be gained, and more importantly, what use would it be? Do we not see people every day who do not bow down, even before such evidence to say, even if I saw, I would not believe, because I know it's impossible if they deny truth in such a matter, is because their spirits have not yet reached sufficient maturity to enable them to understand, nor their hearts to feel it. Pride is the cataract which covers their vision. And of course, you see this many times in and, and near-death experiences. And, and this is what is so interesting about near-death experiences because you'll see these people who were taken into the spirit world and didn't believe at all. And then they go, oh, my heavens, I do have a mission. I am immortal. I, I, I reincarnate, right? And now I understand why I'm on earth. In fact, I've written a couple of books on interpreting near death experiences to, um, in light of what spiritualism tells us. And I, and I forgot the person's name. This guy was a, a, a neurosurgeon, American neurosurgeon, and he had a near death experience. When he came out of it, he wrote, okay, look. A lot of people said near-death experiences, that's your brain going down. There's like There was like 10 reasons and all these different chemicals he listed. And he goes, no, it wasn't this, wasn't that. There's was no way that I ever had those previous memories. Uh, the the experience was too rich, and there was too much detail, and there was too much new information. He goes, no, there wasn't any of these things. He goes, no, I can't convince you because only I saw it, but I know that the reasons you state why people have NDEs is not what you state they are. Because they're always trying to find a rational excuse for why people hear spirits or see spirits, right? Some people I know are... There's always people who lie or misconstrue who are, you know, just dream it. I understand that. But there are real things that you can't understand. There are NDE researches that, you know, they would put pictures on the top of the ceiling in operating rooms and then if the person lived and this uh, the person was reeled into the operating room completely out and then wheeled out still out right unconscious and some of them their heart stop for minutes and of course the 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 definition of death is when your heart stops blood stops going through your brain I said, okay, what did you, do you have near death? Oh, yeah, and I saw that picture of so-and-so, and and I heard the doctor say to the nurse, you know, whatever. And and these are reported. This is the great part about the internet, right? Because before, near-death experiences were, maybe happened to your uncle in the, the next ranch, you know, on the other side of the valley, and you go, oh, uncle. But now when you have all these people from different countries, different languages, different cultures, the themes are are consistent. You know, very interesting. So that's, so, that, you know, for even those who like, I, I refuse anything, to believe anything that's not proven. Well, but you haven't, you haven't, yes, you're right. You, you haven't proven there's a spirit world, but how can you explain some of the near-death experiences where people saw things that there's no way they could have seen? How can you explain that? There is a mystery out there that we do not know. At least admit that we do not know something. And a lot of people won't, won't even say that. But anyway, that's, that's, that's kind of giving you uh, an idea of why uh, we're, not, we're not just presented this. It is like a teacher saying, um, yes, well, you know, this is the theorem, this is the you know, this is the Pythagorean theorem, and this is the way it works. And just re- memorize that instead of saying, here's a triangle, this is why the square of the hypotenuse is the square of the other, you know, equals the square of the other two sides. You know, look at this example, and we'll show you why this works, right? If it's a white right triangle. Instead of saying, no, this is the way it works, and you know, and don't ask me any questions. No. The best way for people to learn is to internalize it. And this is what is offered to us by Jesus. And and Spiritism is just, you know, called also called Christian Spiritism, tells us that we need to, to create a firm foundation in our own lives. Now, if you would like to learn how I got that firm foundation and how I think kind of the major tenets of Spiritism and how Spiritism affects my daily life, is you can read my book, The Seven Tenths of Spiritism, how they impact your daily life. And in fact, it's on Kindle, paperback, and it's an audiobook now. So you can enjoy it any way you would like. Uh, I would uh, encourage anyone to the, read the Spirit's book, The Gospel According to Spiritualism. They are both in PDF. You don't have to spend one dime. Just go to the internet, look up Kardec PDF. You'll find his books. Some links somewhere. There's links on my site, nwspiritism.com. But if you can just look up, DuckDuckGo or whatever search engine you like, look up Kardec uh, space PDF. You will find his books. Of course, they're on Amazon and they're on in the Spiritist bookstores. I have links to that in my um, on my blog, nwspiritism.com. I think it's really good to read the Spirit's book first. I've talked to some people saying, I, you know, some people like me, it was like, this is it. This is it just it connects, right? It was right there. Some people go, that ah, it just doesn't work for me. But I, I like the message. And so everyone has different ways of learning. And you might want to try other books by uh, Chico Xavier, Yvonne Piera. Oh, my heavens, The Memoirs of a Suicide is a great book. Leon Denis, Divaldo Franco. He's written a lot of books, different high spirits, just like Chico's, different high spirits. But you may want to try Chico Xavier's No Solar first. There's also... No Solar, the movie called Astral City or Celestial City. It has English subtitles. Great movie. I recommend you see that as as, as well as the Kardec movie on um, Netflix. So I want to say God bless to everyone. I will be back here Sunday at the same time next week. And I wish everyone a wonderful uh, week. God bless.